This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you who are uninitiated, uh, Playing With Science is a sports science mashup where Neil likes to say where jocks and geeks collide. And I like to say with, without any concussions <laughs> by the geeks. Because, you know, when jocks and geeks collide, only one person suffers in that collision. Yeah, yeah one person walks away. One the other person doesn't. walks away, the other one does not. And normally... Do by, this... by the way, Go ahead. in high school, I was a geek jock. A geek jock? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah you were a wrestler. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I, but I, intellectually, I associated with the geekiverse. Right. But anytime I saw a geek sort of get beaten up or, you know, bullied. Mm -hmm. I, I, that was my sort of superhero. <laughs> I would like, the geeks need me. Nice. And I would go and I <laughs> kick, I would just, you know. <laughs> so I, I felt this urge to protect the geekosphere that, I, as, as a high school What's kid. the superhero name for that? Is I don't know. I, I don't know. Chuck? But it needs one. Yeah, I yeah. I feel yeah. like that. I believe yeah. it's the Tysonator. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's very cool, man. So who do you have? So, uh, but before we get into our guest, who is oh, just so, so, so awesome. Uh, actually, I'm going to use a different word. Who is uh, such a superb guest. He, he, he said that because anytime I hear him say awesome, he said it would be awesome if you could pass the salt. And I would say, it, when I grew up, the word awesome was applied to curing polio, <laughs> walking on the moon. And there's a next generation that has no concept of how to use that word. And I blame the Lego movie. <laughs> you didn't see it. No, I didn't see the Lego All movie. All right. Everything is awesome. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, let me just say, first of all, I can't tell you how long I've been waiting to do that on stage. <laughs> Uh, but normally this show is co-hosted uh, with uh, Gary O'Reilly, who is a former professional soccer player and uh, the co-host of Playing With Science, and he is a, currently a broadcaster, and he uh, resides in the UK. Unfortunately, his flight was canceled, and so he could not be here. It was snowing in the it UK. It was snowing in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was snowing here. And um, uh, unfortunately, he could not be here, so we, we, we but he is listening right now, not right now, but he will be listening to this broadcast. So if we could all give a round of applause to Gary O'Reilly. Gary. And so what we uh, do here is we explore uh, the science of sport. And uh, to help us do that today, we have an incredible guest who is a former Olympic silver medalist. And she is also, wait, how many times? How many times was it? Uh, oh God, I gotta, I gotta look at these notes because I wanna get it right. Uh, Five-time uh, world champion medalist. Please welcome the incredible Sasha Cohen! I'm so excited to join the fun. That's oh, so great. <laughs> Hop over here. Excellent. Have a seat, Sasha. Wait, so, wait, wait, Chuck, what did she get her medals in? Uh, oh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> thank you, Neil. That's no, okay. Yeah, the truth is that I, I, I took it for granted that everybody would know because you're Sasha Cohen, but uh, she is a luge. Luge. Sasha, of course, is a figure skater. And, uh, and a, a damn good one. And not just a figure skater, because uh, you're also uh, an, an uh, incredible ballerina and gymnast. All of those things like rolled in and then strap skates on and do it all. Exactly. I started in gymnastics. I wanted to take hip hop. My mom directed me towards ballet uh -huh. for skating. That's because um, she wanted you to have a job. <laughs> exactly, hey, exactly. What are you talking about? What's wrong with hip hop? <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't worry, your husband is still my favorite white rapper. <laughs> white science rapper. <laughs> but go ahead. So, so that was how I got started. I started in gymnastics because I was basically a bundle of energy and I destroyed the house. And they're like, how can we calm you down? So I got put into gymnastics for about three hours a day, every day. And um, when I was five years old, I was doing like hundreds of jumping jacks, push-ups, V-ups. And when I got home, I was a very well-behaved child. V-up, is that this here? What's Are you going to show me? Oh, oh, this? Is that a V-up? Am I going to show you? No. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're basically know. like oh, okay. this, yeah. and you're going up. Okay, like that. cool. Okay. Ah, very cool. Okay. <laughs> that's a VF. That, that, that's very impressive. I got to tell you, right? I'm a no, Let I'm not. Let me see your <laughs> You know what? I'm good. I'm you're good. good. You're good. Yeah. You got it. You got do it later, Chuck. Later. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll do that It exists bit. in the space-time continuum. <laughs> Just leave it there. there so uh, we, of course, have uh, Heather Berlin here, Dr. Heather Berlin, who is going to break down the neuroscience because there's a lot of neuroscience that goes into um, pretty much every athlete, correct? 
Yeah. Like when, when you talk about the brain and the discipline and the, uh, the they call it muscle memory, but it really isn't There's muscle memory, it's right? Called, it's actually called procedural memory. So basically when you're first learning, and you'll probably have had this experience, the moves or whatever it may be, you have to really focus and you're using parts of your prefrontal cortex. You need conscious focus, even learning to tie a shoelace for the first time. And then over time, over repetition and discipline to do it all those many times, it starts to become implicit or unconscious, and it moves into the basal ganglia, which is the sort of subcortical part of the brain, and it becomes this procedural memory, or, or what we call memory. muscle memory. Yeah, and yeah. it's like riding a bike, and then once you get it into that implicit state, if you become too self-aware of what you're doing, like, oh, exactly how should I hit that tennis ball, or do that, it will mess up your flow. So I imagine that you practice it so much that when you go into a routine, you're almost going on autopilot, right? You want to get to that point at which your body knows what it's doing and you don't have to think about it because the thinking messes it up. Because Yogi Berra said at baseball, 90% of the game is half mental. That's what, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. And I think that's where a lot of elite athletes get in trouble. And I've, it's happened to me on um, you know, several occasions is where you train your body, do something over and over and over, but then you have this one moment and you're like, I can't leave it to chance. And so you get your mind involved because you also have, you know, days that you, you know, you're only practicing an hour a day once you're at competition and then you're just thinking about it over and over and this one moment arrives and it's very hard to put away, you know, the monkey mind because it, it really wants to be there to help you, but it's like too many cooks in the kitchen. Exactly. And when you turn down that part of the, it's basically the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex that's there making you self-aware. And that's the inner critic and, oh my God, what should I do? And then if you can manage to turn that down and just enter into the flow state and lose yourself, that's when you really perform at your exactly. best. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. You better watch Heather. She'll tell you to sink it to the ice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Neil, you, yesterday, actually, I heard you talking to somebody at another thing we were doing when you were saying that you skate or you did something at the ice rink where you wore figure skates. What didn't you do? What haven't you done? No, I, I spent the time uh, in high school as a rink guard. But not with hockey skates. Not with hockey skates. I wore figure skates. Which is skates. very unusual. Yeah, yeah. The very rink guard unusual. is like a little more aggressive with, a, with hockey skates, but I had figure skates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had on figure skates. Now, it, I'm just trying to figure this out, and maybe you can tell me. Because that toe what? pick can hurt you. That's why you had it. Yeah, yeah. You're toe, you ever see figure skates? There's like teeth mm. in the front of figure skates. And so, yeah. Uh, and I, there were some thugs who came on who were like hockey, hockey thugs. Who knew figure skating was so tough? <laughs> there were no thugs. They were like, you know, beefy, thuggy guys. And rather than fight them, uh, I just challenged them to a race from one end of the ice to the other, and everyone parted ways. And they're having hockey skates. So, so they got to like press their feet left and right to go forward. Yep. I had on figure skate. I just went up on my toes and just ran. <laughs> and I got to the end, wait for them to come. <laughs> so, so then they, they shut up after that. But so I deeply appreciate your craft. And, I, and, as, yeah. and as a as a figure skater myself, <laughs> as a physicist. Um, <laughs> we'll have to do the next episode on the rink. Oh, we'll, we'll race. Oh, yo. Yeah, oh. We'll race. Yeah. Oh. No, okay. that. Okay. Those are some fight Take this to the rink. <laughs> <laughs> Meet me outside on the rink with figure skates on in a tutu. <laughs> then we'll fight. <laughs> are you exactly. aware? Are you aware of the physics that because they call figure skating physics on ice? There's there's so much to it. Are you aware of the physics when you're skating, or are you aware of it at all? I think. 
you are aware of it, but you don't think of it in terms like of, of physics. You know, you, the way that you define it is like this like hyper body awareness, and you can feel when you take off for a jump if you don't have enough speed, if you slightly throw your your shoulder too much, and you can feel in the air that you're you're off kilter and that you're going to go down hard. Um, and you also know that if you're doing a single, a double, a triple, or a quad, exactly how much torque you have to put in when you leave the ice, because that is what determines like how fast you'll rotate and if you'll be able to complete, you know, a certain number of rotations up in the air. So torque is a force that sets something into rotation, and otherwise it's just a force giving acceleration to an object. So you have force that goes in a straight line, and then you have torque which is a force turning. So yeah, so there you are. It's a force you are putting between your body, your skate, and the ice so that you can rotate. To, to launch it, like yeah. to, to begin it. Mm -hmm. um, and the same with spinning, and that's something, you know, you'll kind of go into a spin slow, and then you'll, you'll glide in, and you'll, you'll ride the edge, and then you'll take the right side of your body, and you'll, like, you'll snap it to begin the spin, and then you'll use your arms and legs to increase your speed or slow it down. Oh my god. So, all right, so... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning how to physics skate. <laughs> physics, okay, so physics skate. Physics skate. That's right. I'm learning how to exactly. physics skate. You just invent that word. I did. Physics, physics skate. Physics skate. <laughs> so here's what I would love to do. If, uh, for, for those of you who are listening and do not have the benefit of visual because everybody is here, if you could stand up and just show us the actual, but you have to talk it through because people are listening at home. Sure. If you yeah. could show us the physicality of what happens when you're doing that motion. And then Neil, if you can break down exactly what's happening from a physical standpoint, I think that would be really cool. I'm making this up as I go along. <laughs> wait, wait, so Chuck, wait, 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 no, wait, we do wait. this. Wait, wait, so wait, wait. So, so we can pretend like we're, we're the Olympic announcers. <laughs> Sasha Cohen. Is, and this is what she's doing. This is what she's doing. So Sasha Cohen, she's wearing high heels at this moment. I am wearing high heels, but I've not done it this way before. Okay, so what happened? So there's, there's two instances, right? There's a jump and a spin, and I feel like everyone's if anyone's watched any figure skating, somewhat aware of the difference, one you leave the ice and one you don't. Um, the jump, you leave the ice. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, Chuck, you got that? Yeah, I'm, you know what? Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping up. You we'll with it. Okay, with stay with this, Chuck. So, for instance, like, um, I will start with um, a sow cow. Um, and so it's something where you're going to take off backwards and you're going to be gliding on the inside edge of your left foot and you're gonna determine how much speed you wanna get going in, right? So I'll be doing crossovers and running and running and going fast. And then building I'll do your a, speed. Right, and then people have different entrances, but say like when I, many, many, many years ago, I did a quad sow cow and I wanted to get extra torque, so I would do a turn ahead, and then I would set myself here, and then I would use the edge gliding backwards, my, the right side of my body, and I would dig in with my left, with my left foot into the ice and whip this up. And that's what would initiate the, like the momentum. And I would leave the ice, push off this topic, and then immediately snap the weight over my right side. Um, and based on how much I followed through with my right arm and right leg and pushed down with my left would determine how fast I would spin and if it would be a single jump a double jump, a triple jump, or a quad. Wait, can I ask you a question then? How, the way you just broke it down was a very logical, conscious, whatever. But when you're actually doing that, you're not thinking all those things, are you? Are you feeling them? You it's, feel you it. You feel it. So I think not... I'm explaining exactly what I feel. Right. But it's, it's, it's like you're very fine-tuned. You know exactly how much speed you need. And you know how much speed is too much that you'll lose control. That 
it could turn out great, but you have to get lucky because basically speed magnifies anything. It, it helps you get more height and more torque, but if you are one millimeter off in any direction and you have extra speed, you're gonna go down really hard or your, your, your alignment won't be quite right. So people are, are tenet, a little tentative with speed because that can, you know, you can go up in flames. It's like, it's like putting leverage on your house. It can work out really well or it just can, you can go bust. Wait, wait, but now, so, now finally something I can relate to. <laughs> no leverage. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait so Sasha, so if you, you, so, so I get, you gave a brilliant description of how you give yourself rotational inertia. Okay. Mm -hmm. For but, a jump. We haven't even gotten to the spin. But however, you didn't, well, okay, so well, I, to me, I, in physics, you generally break things apart into components and you put them all together for the one thing. I break this apart. You told me how you gain spin, but you have, if you're going to do a quad, you have to be airborne long enough to complete the quad before you hit the ground. Yes. So that's part of it because you'll notice if, if you've watched figure skating this past Olympics, you will see some people barely get off the ice and they can do three turns and some people get this, this high up and they don't complete two, it. Two or three feet off the ice. So, so it really is the rotational it's spin. How fast it's how fast you launch yourself up. Gotcha. And then obviously it goes into like, what's your body type? Do you have like wide hips? How fast are you spinning? And that's why men rotate faster and generally do a lot more quads than women do. They're, they spin faster. They've got narrower hips. Um, but, you know, women are more flexible, so we've got better spiral how, sequences. How, ma how many women have done quads? You know, a couple have done it in practice, and I feel like maybe like one, uh, one or two have done it in competition. And you've done a quad? I have. A long time ago, a long time ago. You can, it's, thankfully, YouTube exists and it will always live there. I hope. <laughs> I'll be like, wow, I used to do that. Now I just sit. So, <laughs> I just sit. so, so, so people must have freaked out. I mean, did the announcer lose his shit? I mean, I mean it was... <laughs> Excuse it me. was an exciting Excuse moment me. because, you know, people can see when you get really close or you double footed or you step out. But when you actually do it and you're kind of you come down from four turns and you have to have tremendous amount of strength and balance to catch yourself when you come down, get out. And so it's this moment where it's like, oh, she's going to do it. She's going to do it. And, then, and you have it. And it's, it's very exciting. This is it, is, it was exciting. Why did you just do it in the heels? <laughs> So, so there's the launch and the landing that both yeah, matter. So, so um, when I trained, you know, you'd work on expl explosive muscles for bounce. Um, and then you would also, I would jump down off of boxes this high in order um, to kind of like learn how to absorb all that pressure and momentum coming down. And you do that with the skates on? With this, um, off ice training, I do it without skates. Um, and then on the ice... Um, with the skates. Well, that would make <laughs> Thanks, Sasha. <laughs> no problem, no problem. <laughs> Do you want to keep it clear? No, no, no misunderstandings. Um, but then let me get to a spin, because a spin's very different, because you're not launching yourself out. And it's something that goes for much longer. It's not fractions of a second. It's um, a spin, you know, can be 30 seconds. It can be a minute. And you basically, you'll see most people wind backwards. And they're creating this, it's all about torque in the body. And this is why I realize I'm a terrible skier because it's the opposite. Um, so, so they're winding the spring. You're to, winding, to, to send right? It out. Okay. And so my hips are going to the left and my shoulders are going to the right. 
lot of abs, a lot of abs. Um, Core and, work. Yes, and then, and then, so then you step in and you ride this outside edge, and then again you do the same whip momentum for a jump, except you don't take off, and then you, you spin. Um, generally, if I wasn't in heels, I could do more spins. Um, and then once you're there, you can you'll keep this momentum, and then as I would bring in my arms and my legs, mm. I can just insanely increase the speed of my spin. And likewise, if all of a sudden I wanted to slow it down, I would just open up and you would see the rotations just kind of almost stop. And so in that way, I was aware of physics, but for figure skaters, we would think about it more in terms of like body awareness mm -hmm. of you know where your hips are, what torque you need. Plus you have to look yeah. good doing it. Yes. Right, because you're being judged. And on... what color you look good in. <laughs> right, right. There are other dimensions of the analysis of the of the rank of the scores. Exactly. Right. Right. So so you actually, yes, can you tell us what is happening when she does that? So, oh the physics, yeah. Yeah. So so if you uh I'm going to take my shoes off. <laughs> I want to see you oh, say it. Oh, it's not to say it. Wait a minute. <laughs> just, just, uh, for those of you listening, Neil is taking off his shoes she and, and putting on Sasha's heels. Cinderella doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. All I can tell you is this. Prince Charming is never coming back. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so in, in physics, here's the deal. So if you set yourself rotating, all right? So I'll do that right now, okay? <laughs> so, so here I am rotating, okay? So that's at a, at a speed. Wait, don't applaud yet. You don't know what's about to come, okay? So, so. So you just spun around. So you, so you can calculate how much angular, so, so in physics, you might remember from your physics class if, if you had it or you, so everything that happens in a straight line, you can think of, in a rotation. So there's a force, the rotational counterpart is torque. There is mass, the rotational counterpart is moment of inertia. There is, um, you also have uh, momentum, and the rotational counterpart is just angular momentum. So here's the thing. Once you start rotating, your angular momentum is constant. Okay, it's constant. So if I start spinning, and you, cal you calculate the angular momentum by, okay, here it is. It is the mass of whatever your body is. <laughs> Which okay. in this case would be the biggest figure skater ever. <laughs> Here's the point. So your, 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 hands, your hands have a certain mass okay. and they're rotating out at this distance. So you have part of your body mass away from your axis of rotation. Oh. Okay, so if you, you can calculate how much angular momentum that is. Now watch. If I bring any part of my body closer to my axis of rotation, then one of the terms in your angular momentum drops. It, so, so, so what happens is the distance to your, the, the axis of rotation drops. But your angular momentum stays the same, so something has to increase. So, oh. Okay? So, because when you multiply these two numbers, you have to get the same answer every time. Okay? So if I start changing the distance of the mass of my body to my axis, and I make it smaller, I have to spin up. Nice. nice. And so, so there you have, allow me? 
Yes. Yes, may, may I? Okay. <laughs> so I will spin and then. Okay. And, and, and just like she said, because what she needs, right? Right? In that right side. So you, you're spinning, you speed up, but then you can stop it by just putting your mask back out. So Slow here's, here's my proposal to you. Okay? Here we go. Okay. So I don't know if this is legal. Okay. Hashtag me too! <laughs> Here. No. So put your arms out, okay? So you're, you're my skating physics demo in this moment. So you have a certain amount of mass coming out here. All right, so. So wait, for those listening, right now, Sasha has her arms uh, spread apart. Spread apart, yes. And okay. uh, mm. in a T formation, uh, and go ahead. Exactly. So there's a certain amount of mass along your arm and in your hands. And you also showed earlier, when you start a spin, you might start with your leg out, okay? And then when you bring your leg closer in towards your axis of rotation, you start spinning faster. And, okay, so we got this. Oh, I like you have an, this is an infinity it on your is. wrist. Mm. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> it's an Wait, infinity that? tattoo. That is very, yes. It, that is an infinity it's tattoo. An infinity tattoo. Good. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean that. Okay. So here's my suggestion. I don't know if it's legal. Next time you do this, I think you can do a quint. Is there such a word? There is such a word. Good. Quint. Five turns. Now, how would you do that? I'm going to say you get some lead weight to put in your hand. <laughs> Tom in Brady all over again. Tom Brady of ice skating. <laughs> so when you start, when you start spinning with lead weights in your hand, even if you're spinning at the same speed that you once were, you have more mass farther away from your rotation axis. Mm -hmm. So that as you then bring the more mass in, you will spin faster. And I don't know, People will notice if you're grabbing something, yeah. holding on to something. Like, what's going on? So, yeah. As you skate around Listen. the rink with two kettlebells in your hand. <laughs> 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 it's a little obvious. <laughs> so what you do is, Just I think really you really heavy rings. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, you really can get a rings. wrist bracelet and lead infuse the wrist bracelet and you're just, it's just your, your, your yeah. jewelry. And, I, and meanwhile, I build up huge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm saying is, if you did that, the same gestures, you will spin faster. And you'll have to land, you have to figure out the landing. But, <laughs> but, but once you I'm go- I'm gonna throw this back to you. <clears throat> What's that? For spinning, this would absolutely work and it would give me more torque and momentum when I spin. Yes. But I think the extra weight would not allow me to get up as high in the air. And so even if I got extra torque mm. when I pulled in, I would still not be able to rotate as to many times. You need to work on this. Mm. You so, need to work so on this. So it's a trade-off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have to think about that. It's a good thing to think about. You gotta think about that. So, so this is one of the interesting physics problems where there are two variables competing with one another and you don't know if one is more powerful than the other or where they meet to get the best combination of both. And those, that's where you get more interesting, complex problems in physics and in life. I have a, I have a neuroscience problem here that I can What's that? address. What's that? Um, you know, wh why don't you get dizzy when doing all of these things? Oh, thing? yeah. What's right? up with that? So I have an explanation <laughs> for that. Chuck, yeah, you know, Chuck, if we did that, we'd be like, you know. Because <laughs> they're going I'm, around and around dizzy and around right now. <laughs> So, you know, there's actually a neuroscientific explanation for that, for that question. So it's interesting, for yeah. jumping, um, you know, it, it happens in a fraction of a second, and you, you don't get dizzy, which is very quick. 
But spinning is something where ballet and skating really diverge. You know, if you're a ballerina, you're spotting, you know, like to the edge of the room, and that's how you're keeping, you know, your your awareness. And by spotting, but, you mean you pick a spot, yeah, you, you, you pick turn a spot your head very quickly you back turn, to that spot, and you like you turn. That right. prevents you from getting dizzy. For ballet. For ballet. This is what ballerinas do. Okay. They always spot. Um, but for, for figure skaters, you're spinning so fast um, and you're not doing just like kind of one, one, one. You're literally doing, um, I don't know, like 50 turns. Uh, and you, the trick is you have to stay in the same center. So about like one to two blade lengths. And, and I don't know, I think it's like something to do with your inner ear that if you're not traveling and you're kind of, you're staying in the same spot even though you're spinning, you don't get dizzy. But from per personal experience, when you do a spin and you do a bad spin, which you get a deduction for, and you're traveling, so you kind of start here and I end up off stage. That would be you bad. get out of the spin and it's like a cartoon where you see the stars and you're just like, what, where am I? And so that's why they teach you have your center and don't travel. So explain well, that inner ear to me in like neuroscience yes, terms. I, I shall. <laughs> um, so your inner ear consists of these three like fluid-filled tubes, right? And each one is at a different orientation, so it's meant to be sensitive to a different orientation. Let's say if your head goes up and like, yes, like this, or no, or side to side. And within those fluid... <coughs> these are the three dimensions yeah, of space. Yeah, the three dimensions, with, yeah. and they're, they're represented within your inner ear in these little... Uh, Canal, these tubes. And within each of these fluid-filled tubes are these little hairs that are like sensing. It's almost like seaweed at the bottom of the ocean. So when you move, it senses and it sends signals <coughs> to your brain. So if you think about if you're in a chair, let's say spinning, and you're holding a bottle of water, and you're spinning in this swivel chair, and then you stop, the water is gonna keep going, right? Because it built up momentum. And the same thing is happening in your inner ear. So it's telling your brain you're still moving. That's why people get dizzy. dizzy yeah. um, and also there's... Well, that's why when you stop spinning, you fall over because you can't keep your balance because your brain didn't figure out that you stopped spinning. It thinks you're still moving, but then there's also information. So there's information coming so to stupid. your brain from... Well, <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> But your muscles are telling you stuff as well. There's proprioceptive input, and there's also visual input, right, giving you information. What kind so of input was the muscle input? Proprioceptive. Pro proprioceptive. Proprioceptive. Like proprioception. Yeah, proprioception. Oh, that's clear it is. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that word before. Oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's proprioceptive. It's so, like proprioception. <laughs> we good now? Yeah, we good. We good. We're going to move We're on. Good. You're right. us up. Yeah. <laughs> it's signals that tell your bodies it's awareness in space. So your, body, your brain is getting that information from your muscles and your joints. The inner ear is telling you you're still moving, and your eyes are giving you information. So that's why they often say, and tell me if they say this too, when, you're at, when you come out of the spin, different than ballerinas who focus each time they make a turn, but you then are told to focus at a specific point because you want to have your eyes telling your brain counteracting what your inner ear is telling it, that it's still moving, that you're not moving any longer. And also what you do, I'm sure, is you practice off ice just spinning so that your brain can habituate. So it's not so much that you're spinning in one place versus moving, although the movement is going to cause it to be more confusing because there's moving in different directions, so it'll be less of a movement if you're in one space. But that's not what I think is happening. I think you habituate because you practice, right? So your brain that's just becomes acclimated to spinning. Yeah, only so much, though, right? Because right. it's still a physiological effect, right? So, and what you'll see yeah. figure skaters do is they'll spin very fast, and then they'll slow down. And they slow down, they're kind of getting their bearings, ah. you know? And they're readjusting. So you're kind of easing yourself out of it. Exactly. And then gotcha. there's like a trick move that you do is you spin really, really, really fast, and then you stop. And then you give your, you do it to the music. It's like, 
but bam. And, and then you give yourself you a like a second and then you're like, like you built in, you know, we have these like these breathers and wind after a spin. Sasha, is it true that your fastest spin in any performance is the spin you end on? So you don't have to be graceful and balancy after that. It's true. People generally do their more strenuous, their more strenuous like wham, bam, hit every position. It's like very dramatic um, right. at the very end. Right. Also because it takes up a lot of energy and you want to get your jumping passes in earlier. Although you're seeing that change now a lot with the new judging system where you're getting rewarded and getting more points if you jump after the halfway mark. But generally, you want to end on a big note. And so people will do combination spins where you hit like six different positions. You're in a camel, you're in a sit spin, you're in a layback, and then you're on the other foot and your leg's up. So there's it's a like lot of fireworks. Going on. Like a fireworks. It is. Finale. Exactly. It's a finale. Yeah. It's a fireworks <laughs> like, finale. Yeah, it's just you like, oh, it. put them all up there. Put them all up there. That's what that one. Look at that. Smell it, face. Oh. Everything you got. <laughs> throw, throw it at the end. Exactly. exactly. So, Heather, let me ask you this because uh, we are almost out of time. Uh, uh, why is it that, from a neurological standpoint, that that is our first kind of foray into getting high? You see children spin around, spin around, <laughs> and then they're just like, oh, I am, I am messed up, man. Like, <laughs> what, what is happening there? Well, a lot of what drugs do is they kind of play with your senses, right? So normally we have input coming in from our senses and, and our brain is organizing in a certain way. But when you kind of mess with your senses and the way the brain is interpreting them, that's also what drugs tend to do. And it feels, it's interesting because it's a different brain state. You know, and it's not just your inner ear, by the way. Those inner ear, inf that information goes to that little brain in the back of your brain, the cerebellum, right? It's right in the back of your neck. And what's interesting is that that has two times as many neurons as your entire brain, oh, right? Whoa. Two times as many neurons. So Twice. Yeah, twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, two. Two. Twice. Two times twice. as many morons. But it's unconscious, okay? And people who have complete damage to the cerebellum they are still fully conscious and aware. I mean, they might have less coordination, they can't do triple axles and things, but they're fully conscious and aware. So we only need basically one third of our neurons to have conscious awareness. But it's interesting how much goes into that ability to have balance. And, but so, but the, the, I think the reason why it feels good is that we like different sensations. We like to be outside of our normal, even dream states or creative states or daydreaming. When we're not in that normal state where the prefrontal cortex is on and everything's working properly, it's, it's fun. It's interesting. That's why we like to go on roller coasters or rides that make us feel weird. So Sasha, cool. when you're performing, you're in an altered mental state, according to this. Was that? Maybe that's why I became a figure skater. <laughs> it's like the world is going to be too much. The world. Maybe that's I a, why. You, that's, I need to skate for 20 years. Maybe that's why you drink before competitions. <laughs> <laughs> that was our secret. So Chuck, I have one kind of hyper geeky thing left to say about figure skating. Go ahead. Do we have time for it? Sure. Go ahead. You sure? Go ahead. Okay. But it's kind of it's like embarrassingly geeky. Are you sure? You know, you could tell me privately. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so here it is. It's, and it, it'll take a few minutes, but it's just, okay. Um, <laughs> most things, when they get cooler, they will shrink. <laughs> Boy, do I know it. <laughs> Water 
water does the opposite, okay? If you cool water, take its temperature down to 32 degrees, it freezes and gets bigger. The same amount of water occupies higher volume after it freezes. And so the water, the frozen water, the solid water is less dense than the water from which it came. And the ice floats. Okay. This is profound. <laughs> because you can have a lake with fishes in it. Winter comes. Winter was coming. <laughs> Winter comes. I like that show. That's okay. <laughs> Did you see my dragon tweet with the dragon breath? I did not see your okay. dragon tweet. Right. Forget you, Dan. All right. So, 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 a lake, so it gets cold outside. Temperature drops below freezing. The water at the top feels this temperature, okay? So what happens? It turns out as the water does get smaller, but then it gets bigger again. And at four degrees Celsius, Water is at its densest. So the, so the air is cooling the water. It hits four degrees. It drops to the bottom of the, of the lake. And then it cools another. Drops to the bottom. Drops to the bottom. Finally, the cold air catches up with the water, and the water, it freezes the water, and it creates a lid of ice. Now, the temperature stays cold. How is it going to get to the water below? It can't. And that ice insulates the lake and does not kill the fish. Nice. If the ice, <laughs> if the ice were denser, this all relates to figure skating. If, that's why I said it's geeky. Wait, I told wait, you. Wait till you get the skates on these fins. <laughs> so if ice sank, then systematically the cold air would freeze the lake from the bottom up and the fishes would have less and less and less water to swim in, and that last layer would freeze, and you would kill every single fish every single winter. But we have frozen lids over running streams in every municipality everywhere. Okay, so now. This really is geeky, you're right. I told you, wait. So now, suppose I have a block of ice, and I want to squeeze it into a smaller volume. You can't. I know as, why. As long <laughs> as it stays ice. ice. Because. Okay, so now watch. Oh, that's awesome, man. I told you. Yes, you're right. I told you. Oh my God, this is so geeky, it's great. <laughs> but it's still coming. Sit down. Okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. So now, the geek is building. Okay. Oh my God. So, just let me give a quick aside. Um, pipes, pipes have water flowing in and it's cold outside. Okay, watch. And it's cold outside. I blame and the pipes, myself. The pipes are holding on to the water. The water is trying to get colder and it gets colder and colder and colder. It gets to 32 degrees and it wants to freeze, but it can't because the pipe is holding it but the temperature gets even colder and it wants to freeze even more, but it can't because the pipe is holding it. The, the ice, the water will go to 32, to 31, to 30, and it won't freeze until 
It wants to freeze so badly, it becomes ice and pops your pipes. No matter what they're made of, it'll pop your pipes. Oh, now that sounds good. Becoming, becoming ice. Now watch. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so wait, so now watch. Okay, so. If you reverse that, if you squeeze ice, you will melt it. If you squeeze it hard enough. Pressure. So pressure. 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 So now watch. Come on, baby. Pop my pipes. <laughs> Sasha glides on the ice, not because ice is slippery, but because her skates are sharpened, not like a knife edge, but if you ever see a cross-section of an of a ice skate blade, it's actually concave. It's concave. So you have two edge. You were speaking about which edge you're on. So if you're skating on an edge, her weight, even though she don't weigh much, <laughs> that weight is sitting on top of a tiny area of metal blade. And pressure is force per unit area. And if the area is small, the same force over that area becomes a higher pressure. That's how the math works out. So what's actually happening when she skates is that the ice beneath her skate blade melts the instant her blade touches it. And she's gliding on a bead of water on top of the ice. <laughs> that is what she's doing. She's compressing the ice it melts instantly because the ice can't stay ice in a smaller volume. It becomes water immediately. I gotta be water. <laughs> okay, so watch, so watch. So, so, so she glides over it, the water, the ice melts, so she's smooth. And the moment the blade comes out the other side, the water refreezes instantly. So you think it's because the ice is slippery. No, it's because the water is slippery. Now. There is a temperature below which even the high pressure cannot melt the ice. It, there was an expedition to the South Pole in 1911, the Scott Expedition. He had a team. He had sleds with skate blades on it, okay? Gliding over the ice. He got to the South Pole too late because the Edmondson, Ad, 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 what's the guy? Uh, uh, Admiral whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he got to, he beat wasn't, him to it. He wasn't, he beat him to it. Okay, fine. So he's ready to go back. Antarctica went into a deeper freeze than usual. They were, the, the moving was slow. They were running out of supplies. They had to get to, a, to a, a, a supply station. They got within 11 miles of the supply station and they couldn't go any further. You know why? Because they were moving so slow and it was taking so much energy. They had to eat their dogs, okay? They ate their dogs and that was not enough. And now they got nothing to pull the sled. So the humans are pulling the sled and they're pulling and there's a point where they can't pull the sled anymore because the temperature dropped so low, the sled blades were no longer melting the ice on which they glided and the blades just froze in the ice. He could not make it to the 11 miles to the station and everyone on that expedition died. And this is the story that Neil used to tell his children every night. <laughs> 
<laughs> Why didn't they walk? Huh? Why didn't they just walk and leave the sled? We got to wrap up. They had actually collected rock specimens that they were, wanted to bring back to England with them. And those rock specimens were just sort of dead in place with the rest of them. Later on, we came back, found the rock specimens, and they came, contained fossils of ferns and other, and pre other prehistoric life. Evidence that Antarctica was not always ice. This was a scientific expedition, and they gave their lives for science. Yes. <laughs> Chuck, we gotta wrap it. And I'm gonna tell you the beauty of that story. Not one of them was black. <laughs> you will not find a frozen black person anywhere on this planet. <laughs> okay. That is it for playing with science. Please give it up for Dr. Heather Berlin. Olympic medalist Sasha Cohen. The inimitable Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. I've been your host for Playing With Science. Also, please give it up for Gary O'Reilly, who is not here. And our catchphrase is this. If you play with fire, you get burned. If you play with science, you get learned. Chuck it on the house. Woo! Get home safely. Have a good night. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently. Acapella.edu.